That's the nature of your emergency. Welcome to Tactical Living by Leo Warriors. I'm your host, Ashley Walton, and today's episode is Don't Be a Clown, Protect Yourself. Now, I managed a pediatric practice for 12 years, and during that time, I always get to the office around 5 o'clock in the morning. Some people might think that sounds crazy, but to be honest with you, I am definitely a morning person, and it's the only time that I had to myself to be able to get the work done that I needed to throughout the day without being interrupted a hundred times. So I would get there at five, and nobody else would get to the office until around 8 a.m. I worked in Victorville, California, and for anybody not familiar with that city, I think because I don't live in it, it's okay for me to dog on it a little bit. And it's definitely not the safest city, and the statistics are growing a little bit worse every day. Now, I've had weird things happen to me when I pull in at that time. I've had people parked in an alleyway where I park, just sleeping in their car. Where the parking lot is set up, it's in an alleyway that is adjacent to a Section a section 8 housing track. And right at the end of that alleyway, there's an AMPM gas station. And I mean, there's been people that are walking by randomly at five in the morning. And anytime that that's ever happened, I just do a couple loops. I've had a time where there were people just hanging out and I decided it was safer to just go and park by that gas station. And I sat there for 30 minutes until I was able to go back to the office and I just felt safe. So I'm always very vigilant, even after I park, I make sure that I look around because I know it's not the safest area. But this particular morning was a little bit different. And I pull up to where I normally park by nature. I park in the same spot every day. And there's a semi truck that's parked very close to where I need to park my car. And although It took me off guard a little bit. It wasn't too strange because right next to the office, there's a big open field and it's pretty customary for truck drivers to park there and that's where they sleep overnight. What was different about this was that instead of parking in the dirt, this truck driver just parked in the middle of the alleyway and the truck was off and I made sure that I approached slowly. I didn't see anybody there, so I just assumed The guy was just sleeping in a semi-truck. And in retrospect, I noticed that there's a dumpster right by where that open parking lot's at, and there were tons of clothes just scattered all over the floor. And as I park my vehicle, I look at the semi-truck again. I don't turn off my vehicle yet. And I'm just trying to scope things out because something tells me something isn't right. So I sit there for a second, and I look, and I don't see anything. So I feel I'm a little reassured that it's just my mind playing tricks on me because I'm a very habitual creature, and this was out of the norm. So I still left my vehicle on, and I turn to grab my things. I go to grab my purse, put my phone in my purse, 
and I'm getting ready to shut off my vehicle. And as soon as I turn to the driver's side window, I'm frozen because there is a man standing right by my window. Like his breath was breathing on my window. And I remember this was October. It was three years ago. And I've never felt so scared or unsafe in my entire life. I just knew that with the feeling I had before this happened and me not trusting my gut instinct, that I was very possibly going to be one of those people that was in the wrong place at the wrong time. So I froze. And the way that the semi-truck was parked, I did have to maneuver in order to park my vehicle in my normal parking spot. God forbid I go and park in a different parking spot that morning, but I turned to this man and I didn't say anything to him. My window's up and he motions for me to roll it down. And he's talking. I turn my radio down and everything he's saying is pretty muffled. And for what seemed like an eternity, he was just talking to me through the window. And I grab my phone and I unlock it and I click on my phone button in case I needed to call 911. And then he tells me one more time to pull my window down. And I roll it down about an inch. And he starts telling me that To be honest, I don't even remember what he was saying at that point. I just remember that by me not having my tinted windows in the way of seeing him through the light of the streetlights, I noticed immediately that he was dressed just like one of those clowns. I don't know if you remember when we had all those clown sightings, then they got to get, they became a little bit more violent And it was around the same time when the It movie was coming up and people speculated that it was just propaganda. And then other people, I believe, because the media publicized it so much, they tried to play copycat and you you just started seeing them all over the place. But as soon as I look at him, he was dressed just like one of those clowns. He had makeup on all over his face. I remember around his eyes, he had it painted black. And the rest of it was completely white, but in a way that it was almost like a white powder, not a white paint. And his lips were painted either pink or red. And I start to look down at him, and I realize he's not wearing any shoes. He's wearing these skinny jeans that are definitely for women, not for men. He was wearing a black Victoria's Secret shirt that had love printed on it. And he was also wearing a leather jacket that was like a short sleeve with spikes on the shoulders. And he starts telling me how there was a bunch of clothes right next to us. And that if I could just get out of my truck and go inside and get some trash bags that he'll clean it all up for me. And I knew this guy was out of his mind. So I tried to be nice. I didn't want to escalate the situation at all. So I thanked him and I told him that that area where that trash bin was, there was a huge construction project going on. And I knew that the contractors were going to get there anytime. I just lied. Contractors don't get there till like 8 o'clock in the morning. 
And I told him that they're going to be really mad if they get there and they see that all the clothes are all over the place. And he starts talking to me about nonsense. Everything that came out of his mouth didn't make any sense. But he kept trying to get me to get out of my truck. And I politely kept telling him that he needed to leave. And it took a good five minutes, which seemed like an hour, for him to finally agree to start stepping away from my truck. And I watch every move he's making, and I'm holding my phone so tight in my hand that it's sweating in my hand. And he goes over to his truck, and he hops inside. And at that point, I knew that if he would just walk to the passenger door at least, that I would have enough time to get out of my truck and run to the gate. And the gate is locked, so I would have enough time to take my key, shove it in the hole, unlock it, and at least get through that barrier, that protection of the gate. So I made the decision, and as soon as he was far enough away, I made sure I had my key in in hand in the right angle that I needed in order to unlock the gate. My purse was on my shoulder. I turned off the truck. I didn't even lock it yet. And I, I just went for it. I just ran to the gate. I unlocked it. I didn't even look behind me. And I got through the gate. And I felt very safe at that point because I knew that this crazy guy would have to jump over this eight-foot gate. And there wasn't any traction. It would be really hard for him to do that. So I remember my hands were shaking and I needed a second key to get into the door to get into the office. And it took me what seemed like an eternity to find the right key to shove into that door, but I finally did. And I remember telling myself not to turn on the lights because if I turned on the lights, I'm the only one there and it's going to illuminate me step by step. The way that the office is set up, you have to turn on the lights as you continue down the hallways, and then as I continue down the hallway to get to my office, it would be completely evident where my office was located, almost like a trail of lights leading straight to me, and I didn't want that to happen. So I call my husband. He's a police officer, and I tell him what happened. He asks if I need him to come, and I I knew that I was safe in the office. And he asks if, He had threatened me in any way if I felt like I was unsafe. And I explained, like, once I was in the office, like, I feel like I'm okay. Like, he's not doing anything. So my husband reassures me and tells me to call him back if I need to. And I still leave the lights on. So I'm walking into the break room because I want to see if he's still in his truck. Maybe I shook him up and he finally took off. And as I get to the window, it's like, a, it's like a movie. You literally can't make this up. As soon as I walk to the window, I see his face pop up right in front of me. And I jump back. And luckily, the window is a mirrored window. And I, I knew that he couldn't see in because I had the lights turned off. And I see him peer in. And he doesn't know that I'm right there looking at him in fear. And then I see him go to every window, trying to figure out where I was. And at that point, I knew 
that I needed help. I didn't feel safe in the office anymore. I didn't know what he was capable of. I was all by myself. It's five in the morning. It's pitch dark out. So I go to the office line in my office, the landline, and I dial 911. I explain to the dispatcher exactly what I just explained to you, only in less than 30 seconds. And she assures me that they're going to be sending someone out. And I remember she asked me for my cell phone number and I gave her my cell phone number. And it was almost as soon as I did that, the phone line cut off. And to this day, I have no idea why that happened. But I was like, holy shit, like I am literally in a horror movie right now. So immediately she calls me back on my cell phone and asks what happened. And I told her I didn't know. I thought she disconnected. And I didn't know if this crazy guy was out there tampering with wires or what. So I go to the window. And as I told you, Victorville is not a safe area. I am so grateful for that in this instance because it took less than one minute for there to be, I think there was three squad cars that pulled up. Once they knew what the situation was, everything surrounding the whole clown situation. And... I guess the guy had ran back up into his truck when he saw the police coming. And to be honest, I don't know what the conversation was between them. Um, I know that two more units had pulled up after that. They had their guns drawn on him. And then I look in the passenger seat and there's a woman inside of his truck. And I'm like shocked because this whole time I thought it was just him. And when I identified that, he was a threat. I wasn't paying attention to there being any other threat. I was so fixated on him. And they're trying to get him to give them his paperwork. I can see like the shuffling of the paperwork going back and forth and they still have their guns drawn on him. And then I just go into my office where I don't want to be in any kind of line of fire or involved in any of that at all. And I'm trying to decompress, trying to calm down. And after about 45 minutes, I hear a banging on the front office door. Very distinguished and distinct police officer knock. And I turn on the lights one by one as I make my way to the front of the office. And an officer's there, and he tells me that there's not really anything that they could do in this situation because he didn't directly threaten me in any way. And he tells me that they're making him leave and they just cited him. So at first I'm a little uncomfortable about that, but he reassures me that someone's going to hang out until at least he goes away for sure and it starts to get light outside. So that made me feel a little better. And it's kind of funny because it was dark and I couldn't make out the officer right away, but he was actually somebody that my husband went to the academy with. They actually carpooled together. So that was another element of reassurance. And I couldn't believe after that whole situation how stupid I felt for not having any means to protect myself. I didn't have anything that would have protected me had the situation become violent. What if I didn't notice that this crazy guy was there in the first place until I had already exited my vehicle? And it was that exact day I went online and I applied for my CCW and I will never be unarmed or unprotected again. I feel like in today's day and age, 
with how crazy life is. It's important for all of us to have the ability to protect ourselves. And I feel more importantly, if you're the spouse of a first responder and you have reliance on your first responder being your protector and you're so familiar with them being gone all of the time, you need to have the ability to do it yourself. And so apart from the CCW training, Clint has done some incredible practice work with me when it comes to self-defense. And he's taught me a lot about the things that I need to pay attention to, the things that I do wrong. He makes sure that he gracefully corrects me on. And I just want to know in your own life, as you sit there and you hear this story that we could probably publish, what are you doing in your own life to minimize the threat? Do you own a gun? Have you ever done any kind of self-defense training? What about pepper spray? Does your family have a game plan? A game plan that answers all the what-if questions. The scenario that we dread the most of ever happening to us. The one where you're sleeping in bed at night and you hear a window crashing in. Do you have a secret word? A secret word that one of you can say to where immediately you know that there's a danger? Those are the types of conversations that I think everybody needs to start having. And whether you're having it just for yourself or you're having it to improve the safety of your family or just your spouse, it's important to make sure that you're safe and you are protected and you know the things that you need if a threat ever comes to you. I would never want to be in a situation to where the worst happened and I wasn't armed in some way. And I'm not saying everybody should go out and buy a gun. I believe that there are many people that are not emotionally stable to own a gun, but I also believe that a majority of people are definitely emotionally stable to be able to own a firearm for the means of protecting themselves. And when you have the tools and you have the emotional what-ifs covered, and you know what you would do in almost any situation that you can play through in your mind, then you're really able to enjoy your tactical living.